And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, a wee gander at Xander, taking the mickey at Putaudry and breaking bad. Which I think we've said loads of times before, but we have to say it because it just works. I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me, two people who are always popping up where you least expect them. Roving senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. Hello, Laura. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And with his ear to the ground and his notepad in hand, it's JJ Bull of The Telegraph. Hello. Hello. I'm actually moving for The Telegraph. I have a new job. You have a new job? Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Are you happy? Yes, I'm going to TIFO, which is part of The Athletic. I'm one of those now. Oh, you're one of them. Part of the club. Part of the club. (laughs) Do you get a new fancy, like, car? Do you get any, like, perks? Um, Yeah, they give me three cars, a private jet, and all the sweeties a boy could dream of. That's excellent, JJ. Lovely stuff. Well, continuing the good news story, uh, Laura, you've got some good news because, um, well, we always love your work at Motherwell, but it looks like... Other people love your work. <laughs> yeah, I feel all shy actually talking about that now because I don't want to talk myself off. Uh, yeah, the um, Motherwell Media team have been nominated in three awards for the Football Business Awards down in London later in the year um, up for Best in Football Media, Best Digital Social Media Team, and Best New Player Contract Signing Reveal Campaign. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realise was... that was an award. <laughs> that's a long title. Oh man, that's so specific. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's um, how you reveal new signings. So, which one? Which it. one was that that you got nominated for? Which it signing? was the one we did in the summer transfer window last year, um, where we took our players out and about around the town um, and in different locations around Motherwell. Took them out for to a try night. <laughs> To try and help them connect with the new town and the, the fans that they wouldn't get to see in the stands for the rest of the season. So, yeah, the three awards we've been nominated for. And oh, it's well a trip down to London to hopefully celebrate. Awesome. That's, That's fantastic. Oh, congratulations. I hope you win. Moving on to, uh, well, I'll say first of all, there's no injuries from a Scotland standpoint uh, looking ahead to the Euros. But Derby County dropped Sir David Marshall at the weekend. Assholes. <laughs> how, do you, how can you drop the best Scotland goalkeeper in England? But look, it didn't stop Wayne Rooney's side from losing their fifth game in a row, uh, and they're very close to relegation from the English Championship. So it didn't work. But maybe, I mean, in fairness, we do have other good Scotland goalkeepers. Craig Gordon could be an option. And Craig Gordon took part in probably the weirdest trophy lift <laughs> we've ever seen. Have you this seen have you seen this, JJ, Laura? Have you seen this strange trophy list yes. and hearts left in the Scottish Championship? It's probably difficult to get a bit excited with the trophy lift because the whole point is you're in front of fans and then there's like pyrotechnics and glitter falling from the roof. If there's just no one there and it's a 
a trophy you were always going to win anyway. <laughs> I don't know, JJ. To be fair, St. Johnson made a good deal of it when they won the League Cup in an empty <laughs> Hamden. Oh, there was a lot true. of fireworks and uh, confetti there. But yeah, this this was a bit odd. Basically, the, the fans didn't want Hearts to lift the trophy because of everything that happened a year ago, getting put down to the Championship. They felt they got hard done by and it was a kind of insult and they kind of thought, look, let's just kind of get the, the job done and get back up without much fuss and much attention. Um... So as a kind of compromise, I think the club agreed, look, we're going to lift the trophy. Obviously, the players would want some sort of photo evidence that they've won a, a championship. Um, <laughs> we definitely did it. <laughs> I have won silver in my career. Um, so they do have evidence of it, but there was exact, not exactly um, big celebrations. And I, I thought it was interesting what Hearts as a club did. They tweeted out just the photo, no words, just the photo of the moment. And that was it. Um, nothing else. That's quite cool, marking actually. it at all um, and even at that the fans were commenting saying this is too much <laughs> you've mm. done too much let's, let's just like note even more I, I saw that the, the, the reason that they did lift the trophy was you know out of respect for all the other clubs that partake in this competition so they've been working the socks off to try and win the trophy Hearts have done that so in respect of the competition that they lift it. But yeah. Well, later on, we're going to be talking about the mess that is the Pyramid Playoff in the Highland and Lowland League. And Mickey Mellon joins us to discuss Dundee United's gubbing of Aberdeen. We've got an unbelievable Scottish Cup weekend to talk about. So let's start with St Johnston's hopes of a cup double. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show. Sponsored by Paddy Power. Tell you chat, moments like that are why you watch football, man. Moments like that, you, no other thing in the planet can make you feel like that, man. The keeper's up for it, mate. This keeper's had such a game. I wouldn't even. Oh, I wouldn't put it past. No, 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 no. Let's not say it. Let's not say it. Let's not say it, mate. Mate, the keeper's just scored it. The keeper scored a header. Are you kidding? This is a glitch. This isn't real life. Nah, this is a glitch. This is not real life. Nah, nah, nah. I need to wake up. Nah, 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 nah. Hold on. Penalties. Mate, are you kidding me? What's the goalie doing, Tam? Uh, the highs and lows of football, as described by the Rangers show. Yes, the Premiership champions are out of the Scottish Cup. Just the one trophy for Steven Gerrard's side this year. But Callum Davidson is on the hunt for his second piece of silverware for St Johnston this season. I'll park to one side the fact that this was Steven Gerrard's ninth opportunity to, to win a trophy and focus on the most important part... Uh, Xander Clark's header is that I mean it didn't go in <laughs> but, but the thing is it was just so awesome to see he just leapt so high it looked fantastic uh, and then it ends up going in the back of that it didn't go in right but this will go down as the greatest myth of Scottish football that Xander Clark scored this goal this will be one of these pub questions that come up in years that asks who actually did score that goal because yeah. nobody is going to remember <laughs> poor chris came but come on give Sandra clark the credit here it was his moment he deserves it and i think everyone is just going to ignore the fact that the header was not going on target and of course it was going in the back of the net obviously this moment was incredible i, I don't think anyone watching this except rangers fans could possibly watch this and not be shouting at the TV and not be screaming and jumping up. And it's the sort of thing that, like, Hollywood 
like writers' dreams are made of. <laughs> if this happened in a movie, you'd be like, this is absolutely stupid. It would never happen in real life. I don't think I've ever seen it happen in real life before. You see the goalie going up all the time, you've heard about it in history, but to actually see it happen live, that what an absolutely incredible moment. And it just kind of summed up the weekend of Scottish Cup quarterfinal action because what an incredible weekend it was. It was it was a brilliant assist, but it's the, it's the celebration, JJ, that... <laughs> He grabs you. Like he can't believe it. He's just like, oh my god! I don't. Uh, yeah, he can't be prepared to actually, actually score it. He doesn't score it, but in a way, like we said, he sort of has. Yeah, like, I mean, there's few better sights in a football pitch than the goalkeeper going up, and everyone's making fun of the fact he's in this, this luminous green uh, shirt. Yeah, it's completely unmarked in the middle of a box. There's no way you can miss him. But how is he? How is he? It's a weird thing because obviously they've been set up, right? So the Rangers have been set up to defend the corners in a certain way, and there's not. I doubt they've had many sessions where they have a goalkeeper come up to join in for the uh, yeah. the, the overload. So no one knows whose man it is. Also, is Xander Clark? What danger is he going to have? <laughs> He's there to stop goals, not yeah. score them. And then yeah, it's great, great. But it's Johnson on for the double. Like, I've been saying it. We we said we it have. a few times this season. We have it's coming. I mean, um, Xander Clark, not only just in that moment, uh, he had a great game overall. I mean, I know Rangers took the lead through James Tavernier, who came back uh, into the side after a wee time out from, from injury. But how Tavernier was in that position, I have no idea either. But anyway, Xander Clark had a brilliant game and ends up saving two of the penalties, Laura. Yeah, he's done really well. I, I've always... I think... Everyone really respects Andrew Clark for being the player he is. Like, as Scotland, we are very blessed in the goalkeeper department. Mm. Um, and I, it's naturally going to bring people, like, naturally going to say, like, should he be the third choice keeper for the Euros? Um, is he, should he get his chance at Scotland? He's always been a name that's been kind of around the edges. That It's always a case of, yeah, he's there if we need him. Not quite good enough for the, the, the squad of the three, but he's, he's barely, I think he's really good. Um, I did see a few Rangers fans being surprised at how good a game he had, um, saying that, oh, he's, he's never been that much of a problem in goals before against Rangers. I completely disagree with that. I think he's been an outstanding player for St. Johnson um, and always kind of pops up at the, the big moments in the big games. He's, he mm-hmm. is a big game player and he, he proved that again with his, his saves in the penalty shootout as well. Um, I think there was a que- kind of question of whether he was off his line um, for, I think it was at Roof's penalty. Yeah, I think th- he definitely looks off his line for the second penalty. Scene. Kind of wonder why there's an assistant standing there purely to watch that. Um, but look, I think that's it's such a hard thing to to expect a goalkeeper to stay on the white line um, mm-hmm. to keep a foot on it until the ball's taken. I I don't think. See, out of all the rules in football that you're going to get hung up, hung up on, I don't think that's one of them. <laughs> I don't I would really kind of stress over that one as much. JJ, St Johnston, I mean, they drew with Rangers at, at the weekend and they've taken them to extra time at Ibrox. They're the first Scottish team to go to Rangers ground this season and not lose. Uh, yeah, they played really well in, I'd say in both games, actually. They were, I think, the better team in the draw midweek. But I think XG even backs it up as well. But uh, yeah, they're quite aggressive against Rangers. They don't, they've not just sat back and let them... You know, it's very easy to sit back in a, like a block or whatever and let them play around you and then try and hit them. I thought they were really ag- aggressive in the way they were trying to push up. They were aggressive like with the ball. They were trying to get people in. Rangers is half. Uh, yeah, it, I, I like... I mean, he's done a really good job, that manager, Cam Davison. Like, for them to 
Cal like, Davidson's a very good manager. He's a very good manager, yeah. But he has done very well with them. To It's taken most of the season for them to, for it to click. Because mm. they weren't good at the start of the season, but it's a bit of momentum that they've got now. Um, yeah, to take on Rangers in a, in a cup, like quarterfinal, and not just kind of fold into yourselves and block. You know what I'm trying to say? Like It's so easy yeah. for teams to do it. Uh, yeah, it's, he's done very well to make that happen with that group of players. And we'll talk about it in time, but um, I did see that if we look at the semi-finals, three of the four teams that are in there were also in the League Cup semi-finals as well. I think if you take Dundee United out and substitute Livingston, it's pretty much exactly the same teams. So there's a lot of like you know similarities going in St Johnston's way. But when we talk about Rangers, they missed some really, really big chances. And we can put that down to Xander Clark having a very good game. But they've not been that great since they've been confirmed as champions do do we know why that maybe it might be that often happens when you win something and then you sort of lose your motivation i think that happens quite often and we saw it i think in england especially maybe last year when the lockdown was there and with liverpool and teams like that mm-hmm. odd that rangers haven't been able to get over the line in cups again this season that's probably something still maybe in the mentality of them that needs to needs to fix is they're clearly a very good team so it's yeah. odd that they couldn't get rid of it. I don't know. What do you think, Laura? Yeah, I think there's... I've seen a wee bit of a chat about um, kind of debates between Celtic Rangers fans saying, is one trophy in 12 good enough for Stephen Gerrard? He, like, he's... He, he was rightly given enough time at the start to really settle uh, and build his team. And there was there was no sort of pressure on him at the start. Yes, he has achieved exactly what they wanted in terms of winning the league this year. And yes, they, they did fantastically in Europe. A really good run. I don't think you can fault them at all mm. for that. It's the Cups, though. Um, I kind of feel like they're not quite meeting their targets in that sense. That's a very basic way of saying it because obviously they want to win the, the trophies. But I, I don't feel like 1 in 12 is good enough. Um, yes, they're, they're ticking one off nine, the big... I think it is. Well, it's 12 including Europe. So uh, that's ah. a wee bit... Of a stretch, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> that yeah, was the numbers harsh. being flown around. Yeah, that's a bit harsh. That's just the numbers being flown around by obviously Celtic fans <laughs> trying to get the better of Rangers. Right. <laughs> you know, you can twist that's whatever way you want. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's not going to be panic stations and no one's going to be um, kind of having a go at Gerard. The Rangers fans aren't going to turn on because he did the main thing. Um, they, they won the, the league and that was the beyond end all. But if I was a Rangers fan, I would still be feeling a bit like, ugh, like that sort of. We just weren't quite at it, and I just I would want them to just be like, just be better, just just at least give us some sort of hope for the cups. It's the stature of the size of the club, basically. Rangers fans have, are used to winning trophies, and it's been a long time. I think two thousand and nine was the last time that Rangers picked up a cup double. Yeah, that that surprised me. Um, but also, I mean, in saying that, I am saying like they're not doing well enough in the cups, but. Credit where credit's due. They went out of both cup competitions this season with last minute goals. So St Mirren was the last minute goal. St Johnson was in penalties. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're struggling. It's not like they're getting heavy defeats. They're not far away. It's yeah, they're so close, and that that might be. I, I, I very much doubt it's a fitness thing. It could just be a, a mentality thing. It could also just be bad luck. The fact that it's happened twice in one season. Um, it's not very normal that a team like Rangers would concede late goals like that. Um, strange, it's happened twice in the, the same week to St Johnson. Um, but these things <laughs> could just be purely coincidental and we're analysing it far too deeply. 
Maybe, maybe. Well, the excellent SPL stats on Twitter uh, highlighted that this is the first time ever that neither Rangers or Celtic have made it to the last four of either domestic cup competition. Um, Pretty amazing. Uh, And I have to finish on Callum Davidson again, because if he picks up the Scottish Cup, he's already got the League Cup in the bag. He's finished in the top six in his first ever year as manager. I kind of think that surpasses Steven Gerrard for manager of the year. JJ's laughing at me, but if you pick (laughs) up more trophies than your your, uh, your other managers, then surely. Yeah, I don't know. I I think, do I agree? I don't know what I I think. Based on resources that you have, you know, Mm. weigh that up against what Rangers have been able to, to, to put out there. Why can't they both be managers of the year? Oh, get oh, over. Come on, you're getting splinters it's a there, Gigi. silly individual award. Who cares? No, I mean, look, Rangers, yeah, they've got the money, they've got the the expectations there to, to win the league. Um, the manner in which they've done it definitely puts yeah. Gerard up there, um, having not lost the game, obviously. But come on, I, I can't really, well, for a start, I can't see anyone else out with those two being in the running for manager of the year, unless you're kind of, well... Uh, no, that's that's harsh. I can't see another Premiership manager. Um, I definitely look to the lower leagues uh, for the other two contenders. But see if St Johnson win the double. This has to be considered as the greatest St Johnson team ever. Yeah, is that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're we could potentially watching history in the making here. Um, you just <laughs> you don't get teams of St Johnson's size winning two cups in one season. That has that's a massive achievement if that happens. Yeah, that's absolutely class. I totally agree. JJ's laughing. <laughs> I, I sort of agree. It's quite funny. Like the best in Johnson team ever, Liam Gordon, and like <laughs> Xander Clark. So, all right, yeah. I yeah. think there's a song coming on, JJ. Maybe if for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Laura's in the middle of the Motherwell Stadium when they're they're building it around her. That's what the the banging is. In case you weren't sure, it's not you. It's not you. If Laura, if Laura is there, they are building it, and they will come. <laughs> Coming up, Mickey Mellon and a Manic Monday Night. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the questions sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acre lets you down. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10, mid odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begumbleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Dundee United produced one of the most eye-catching results of the Scottish Cup quarter-finals by thrashing Aberdeen 3-0 at Petodre on Sunday. And on Monday, I caught up with uh, a good friend of the podcast. We spoke to him earlier on at the start of the season. Uh, United boss Mickey Mellon joined us. So, Mickey, I know it's like not, not that long uh, since Sunday, but how, how proud are you feeling right now uh, for the boys and, and for, for Dundee United? Uh, yeah, I'm, obviously we're pleased that we got we've got a massive result, um, a huge result, a great a great performance. But it's something that we want to do more of. We we want to hit a standard and a level, and, and try and stay there. 
So it's something that we won't get too carried away. We obviously were pleased. I, I'd be, I'm, I'm really happy for the football club that we're into the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, where, where I believe that Dundee United should should be competing all the time anyway. But it's now it's about hitting the levels all the time, trying to find that consistency all the time. We, we know what the group's capable of now, and we want to uh, keep pushing them on and keep improving and keep that consistency. When we spoke to you at the start of the season, because you joined us on the podcast, you said how proud you were to be back in Scotland, but you wanted to make Dundee United fans proud of their club um, because of the history and everything like that. You know, when you saw the fans kind of send you off um, at the weekend, you said that as well that was a special moment um, and, and you did it for them. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge moment. It's, it's an unbelievable season to put into perspective, I haven't even met the fans. It's the first time I've seen the fans. It's the first time I've seen a, a gathering of Dundee United fans. And I've been in Dundee now for 10, 11 months now. So it's so unusual, such an unusual season. But we always were aware that they were there. It was just a shame that they haven't been able to be there. Football's really missed supporters. And I know what a huge part of the football club, the supporters at Dundee United are. Uh, and we're looking forward to the time when we, when we can we can celebrate and, and try and push the team on together. So about the game, Dundee United were excellent, I thought. Do you think this was one of the best performances that you've seen in your side this season? In, in patches, we played really well and not got the rewards. I think sometimes everything comes together for, for, a, for a team. It's not very often, but it, it, sometimes it all just falls into place and the chances that you get, you take, and all the rest of it, and, and everything that you work on seems to come together. So it was, it was a good day for us. But I'm, I'm keen to make sure that everybody knows that we will be driving that all the time. We, we've got a few days off now, which we deserve, um, and then we'll be back in uh, Wednesday, and it will be foot to the floor again because that's the only way that we can play foot to the floor football and um, play that tempo and that that aggression and that desire, and then we we will cause teams problems. JJ Bull, who's a regular co-host of mine um, on the show, uh, he's from Aberdeen, he's an Aberdeen fan, uh, but he was really pleased when Stephen Glass came in and it looked like he was a very attack-minded coach and really threw bodies forward. And in this game, it looked like you kind of highlighted the Aberdeen fullbacks and trying to get in behind and, and exploit that space that they left. Is that something you'd, you'd planned for? Or had you kind of looked at the weaknesses that Aberdeen had had? I don't really want to get into too much because the better the managers may feel less. You don't really, you don't really, you don't really want to get your plans away too often. Um, but no, we, we we have a set of principles as a team that we that we work hard every day in training to try and make happen. Football is all about decision making, and and it's 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 helpful if the team sort of knows what they what, what the range of decisions are without being too complicated. So we work to to principles and and we give the players options. Uh, and how to play, and we do that in training all the time as well. We will create scenarios where uh, we will stand at the side of the pitch and know what the team's trying to achieve uh, with and without the ball. So we've worked very hard in doing that, um, and we'll continue to keep trying to do that, and hopefully it keeps coming off. At the weekend, it was a very different side as well that you that you put out um, from, from last week uh, when you played Kilmarnock. We celebrated Dundee United recently about how much opportunity that you give uh, young players in the squad. Seven changes on Sunday, a lot more experience came in. Was that something that you'd, you'd geared towards? Because 
finishing in the in the bottom six, safety's already secured. You can give more opportunity, but it's important for Dundee United to to really push on and get into these high pressure games. Yeah, when you first get a job, you, the, the job gets presented to you, and one of the strands of the job was bringing on the young players. The owner puts a lot of money, in, uh, and we, we have a lot of involvement in, in the academy. So it was part of my job that I can take them that next step from the academy, from the youth team, into training with the first team, get them used to working in that kind of tempo with the kind of players, and then try and introduce them when the opportunity comes, when we believe that they're ready into the first team. And we believe there was an opportunity on Wednesday to, to, to give a few a, a run out, um, because we knew that they were ready. And they, went out and they did really well. Of course, there's stuff, stuff that they have to work on and, and keep improving, but that's what the game is all about. We, we, we call the games exams, so the game is an exam for them. We, we looked at the exam and then we would mark the exam and then we would say what they have to work on before the next one. So that's basically how we would work it. And so a lot of the young players got that opportunity and I'm delighted that, that they, they did and we'll keep working hard to try and get more of them through and hopefully get them consistently into the first team. Um, and then they can find their levels of performance to keep them in there and keep Dundee United moving forward. And what about you, Mickey, going to Hamden now? Um, I've I've seen you twice at Wembley. One was not so good, <laughs> but one was excellent. <laughs> I, I remember uh, you you guys getting promoted with with Tranmere, and I think I think it was your assistant who rugby tackled you onto the pitch. I mean, the scenes were excellent, <laughs> and you could see how much it meant to you. You you love being you love winning, but you love uh, winning big games as well. I mean, is it? I know you're in the semi final. We'll know who you're playing in the semi by the time this podcast goes out. But is it in the back of your mind, you know, to to be in a final at hand? And never mind, you're going in the semis. To get the, the opportunity to have managed or, or played at Wembley and Hamden for a wee boy born in Paisley who was brought up in Glasgow is all I've ever wanted to do. Um, so I get the opportunity now to go and, to go and do that now. Not many people do, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I, I've been able to you know, achieve that. But I'm also, as, as my family will tell you, I'm quite greedy, so I'll want more. So, no, we'll go, and I'll, and I'll tick that off the, the bucket list that I've done Wembley and done Hamden in competitive football, but then quickly put the bucket list away and go and try and win it and get to a final. <laughs> so, no, we'll, we'll, we'll go and attack it, but it's certainly be a big day for the family and, and myself uh, to be able to say that I've did that. Did your eyes light up a wee bit though when you saw that Rangers had been knocked out by St Johnston? I think that's all credit to St Johnston. I mean, Callum's done fantastic there, isn't he? He's done terrific. And everybody knows how difficult it is to, to, to compete against the old firm because of the resources that they have, the size of the football club. So we're all up against it when we play them. And to get into the semi-final and for uh, for the old firm not to be involved in it is great credit to, to all the other clubs who have managed to get here because it is such a big ask and a task and challenge when you face the old firm mm-hmm. and to, to do what Callum's done and, and knock them out is, is is a great achievement for him and his team. But it gives a big opportunity for, for another club to, to lift a trophy and, and it does, as soon as you see one of the old firm get knocked out, you must get a little bit more like, great, this is, this is our opportunity, this is our chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the problem is there'll be another three managers saying that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's, nobody's not going to be saying that. We're all going to be, we're all going to be uh, asked the same question. No, we, it, well, 
listen, well, and I'm not just saying this, I know it's a trotted answer. Whoever you get in that semi-final, it's going to be tough. It's going to be an absolute slug out. We'll be ready for it. We'll, we'll, we'll go and attack it. We'll give it everything that we've got. And hopefully we're the ones that, that, that get through it in the final. So, Mickey, this this season you've had back up in Scotland, I know it's been good for you and I, I know you've you've really enjoyed it. And you've been successful going to Hamden with the potential of a, a cup final. But two weeks ago, there was some speculation about the Doncaster job. I mean, I, I can't I can't see you back in England. I want you to stay in Scotland. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can tell me if that's 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 the case, or yeah, I know you're probably 100 percent committed to Dundee United anyway. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, it's 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 dead easy for me to answer until somebody tells me differently, which they will at some stage. It happens to every manager. You you will be told that that's enough, or your opportunities lie somewhere else. I'm 100 percent committed. I've been in it a long time now. I understand the the, the management game. I will continue to keep doing what I'm doing with, with Dundee United, keep trying to win games of football and keep trying to uh, lower my handicap in St Andrews, uh, which is important to me as well. So, no, I, I'm enjoying being back in Scotland um, and until told otherwise, no, I'll, I'll be delighted to keep managing uh, Dundee United. It was really good to speak to uh, Mickey and I did learn he's got a horse. Um <laughs> He brought up the fact that when he moved up to Scotland, it's like he's just he's got kids that are still down in England and stuff like that, and um, just interesting that he's got the the two dogs, the missus, and, and a horse. And I'm like, you've got a horse. <laughs> I like the idea that he's uh, he's replaced the, his children with a horse, so like it lives <laughs> in the house, goes to bed. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he did say he's not he's not trying to be William Wallace or anything like that. So fair play to him, um, a man of many talents. Uh, but JJ. I mean, Dundee United steamrollered Aberdeen and Stephen Glass said that his side were maybe mentally tired. Do you buy that as an excuse? They were mentally awful. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> oh my God, it was horrible to watch. Um, they looked, yeah, they looked knackered. They looked knackered. I, I think um, I'm led to believe that uh, upon assessing the new players they've, they've taken control of, that they're not quite as fit as they want them to be, the management team. Uh, the players, the management team are fit. They're fine. It's the players who aren't fit. Was their assessment? Uh, yeah, but you can see they were t- like, uh, United just tore them apart. It was they looked tired, didn't have the energy. There were no one was brave on the ball. No one was keeping the ball. No one could pass the ball. Uh, Constant and Hoban. Hoban ran like all his weights in the upper half of him. Like he's got he has no balance. Actually, you know what it's like. The way he turns is like he's um. <laughs> Uh, controlled on a D-pad rather than an analog stick. He can only move in set like forty-five degree angles. He can't fully move. <laughs> That's an amazing analogy. Well, like like a first-person shooter in Goldeneye in the N64, when you could only just go like that. You could, no, you could turn fully in Goldeneye. What are you on about? That's a no, no, no. Don't you dare miscall Goldeneye, one of the greatest FPSs of all time. <laughs> I'm talking about like the old FIFA or Pro Evo where you had to you had a D-pad oh, you only yeah, had like yeah, 16 yeah. directions whereas now it's analog so you can go 360 you see um, uh, yeah yeah they were terrible the two centre backs were awful and I think there was a the, the first goal that United scored I think it was the first one you can see Constantine has been playing in a back three for a long time because he's still you have to, your positioning has to be different and the way you react to certain things has to be different in a two rather than a three and he just gets pulled towards the ball and also like McInnes used to play man like man to man all the way across the pitch, so players have to follow their men rather than hold position and defend it only. And you can see them getting pulled apart. Glass has got some job, 
to put that together. There are so many players leaving, so many who clearly cannot do what he wants them to do. Um, so either he's going to turn out to be a great coach and him and Russell and Scott Brown turn these players, like, just improve them, give them confidence, teach them how to play football again. <laughs> or uh, there's going to be a lot of changes that come in to, to help that along. I mean, it's it's only a, a week or so ago you were kind of praising the way Aberdeen had played, but it, but it did look like the, the, the cracks were there and Dundee United just found where they were because the amount of space that they had was, was pretty ridiculous. You can see what they want to do, but it'll take time and stuff like that will happen. It's a shame it's in a cup, but they were, yeah. I mean, they were absolutely gubbed. United were really good. I mean, yeah, United were really good because it looked like United really, really wanted it, Laura. I mean, you just have to look at Edwards' um, header for 2-0 I mean, nobody from Aberdeen's side even challenges him. And there's about four players all around him. And he's the one that's that's jumping higher than everyone and just bulleting it in at the back of the net. That just summed up United's performance for me. Yeah, I think this season, um, I kind of feel like a broken record talk about United in the sense that they are they're doing a job. It's not pretty to watch. It's, it's not getting the fans off their feet, so to speak, um, maybe in their living room. But... The the sole purpose was to to um, achieve survival, and then afterwards they'd concentrate on maybe making their game a bit better. But this performance, I think, um, and it, maybe it's a combination of Aberdeen playing so poorly, but I think this was Dundee's best performance of the season. I would go as far to say it's been their best performance actually of, of many seasons, maybe even as far back as since like the days of like McNamara's days of you know Robertson. Um, Armstrong, GMS and all that, that that was when we were seeing week in, week out Dundee United performing to the levels that they showed on Saturday. I just feel as though they were strong and composed on and off the ball. They were exciting, they were they were attacking, um, scoring great goals and it just felt like they were it felt like their hard work had kind of finally paid off um, mm. and for once there were, there were no passengers in the team. Um, everyone was kind of pulling together and, and really kind of producing for the club. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see after, like how Mickey said, when he it's the first time he's seen fans, Dundee United fans had given the club a, a send-off um, ahead of the game and it certainly felt like a performance uh, for, for the fans. I mean, for Aberdeen, uh, we the Here We Go podcast tweeted the very worst aspects of Aberdeen's 2020-21 season condensed into an appalling 90 minutes. Uh, but Dundee United go into the semi-finals and we know now that they're up against Hibs and Hibs played on Saturday, a pretty sensational finish involving Motherwell in the Scottish Cup. And another penalty shootout, it was the host, though, who emerged victorious after a 2-2 draw at Easter Road. Laura, how was this? I mean, I guess we have to start with Hibs taking the lead. Um, they were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go, and then Motherwell actually turned it around. Tony Watt seemed to make a big difference. Yeah, um, I think I spoke about it maybe last week or the week before about saying um, we, we don't quite know which Motherwell are going to turn up in these games um, and the way the game started in pretty much for about a good 70-80 minutes you're thinking, right, okay, it's not the good one that's <laughs> turned up for, for <laughs> one of those days again um, you're just kind of thinking, right, okay, fine they scored their second, you're thinking, alright let's let's get this over and done with and, and head back along the M8 but then Tony Watt comes on the formation kind of changes slightly. It becomes more of a kind of um, tried and tested four three three, which we've played most of the season, and it, it did it. It sparked complete life into the team, and, and full credit to Tony because he has been out injured, um, 
and in came on, uh, maybe not completely 100% back yet, um, but obviously on the bench if needed, and he was mm-hmm. needed, mm-hmm. and he, he did a job, so fair play to him for that. Um, yeah, the game completely changed at that point, so Motherwell scored two goals um, in the last 10 minutes, took the game to extra time, and to be fair, I think in extra time looked like the better team, looked like the team most likely to go on and yeah. win it. Uh, couldn't find the third goal and took it to penalties, um, and just very unlucky. And the penalties, um, it was so it was Mark O'Hara, who is our penalty taker, who missed the first of uh, Motherwell's, and then Stevie Lawless, who missed the second. And these are two players that you would put your money on nine times out of ten um, scoring from the spot. It's just one of these things that happens. Um, and it was just really, a, it's like, it was, a, it was a really exciting game. For the neutral, this would have been a, a brilliant game to watch, at least for the last hour or so. Um, yeah, really good, disappointing from a little perspective, but an entertaining day in the capital. Yeah, maybe. Um, I do wonder though, Laura, if you you jinxed this for Motherwell because uh, you said this. I'm quite lucky that I've seen Motherwell take two penalty shootouts now this season and obviously Scotland as well. And out of the four penalty shootouts, my team have not missed a single one. So I've still got a 100% record there. Oh dear. Laura, so harsh. you are now not permitted to make any Scotland predictions in the Euros. You are banned. So harsh. I thought at that point, I'd, I wouldn't, I mean, come on, four penalty shots in one season is a lot. You don't expect another one next week. <laughs> we got quite a few at the weekend as well, to be fair. Um, was, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed watching the um, Rangers and Johnson and Kilmarnock submitting penalties without actually having any sort of allegiances and, and fears and, and nerves watching it because it was actually <laughs> nice to just relax for a change there's been far too many penalty shootouts this season that have mentally like affected me personally so that was nice <laughs> well I'm glad I brought it up that is how do you say his name Lamy or Lamy Ricky Lamy 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 that goal is so weird the way because uh, <laughs> it lands into him so it's a uh, free kick those corner right short corner and then they knock it to the back post and then everyone seems to stop like Lamy yeah. just has it and yeah everyone I, I just watches know, it thought... go in it's so weird so if you watch it like what's everyone doing Shelley Kerr who was on co-coms for BBC said that he totally meant it did he? he did totally <laughs> mean it <laughs> although I was so I was the way I was I was positioned um, on the halfway line filming so I was technically right behind him when he took the shot and the lob over everyone in the box to dink it into the top corner it was beautiful but then when I watched it back on the other angles like the GoPro from behind the goal it yeah. didn't look as anywhere near as impressive yeah so um if you're going to watch an angle definitely watch the one that I filmed from the halfway line because it makes him look like some sort of like world beater because it looks like cause he's not trying to, I don't know if he's trying to cross it or I don't know what he's doing it's just an odd hit anyway it doesn't really matter it went in but yeah this is weird you need like you need like that in the in cup games well, obviously not in the penalty shootouts uh, we should mention that um, Alex Gogic is going to miss the semi-final. Uh, he got a second yellow, actually, because uh, he raised his hand to Lamy, I think it was. Um, but it, it was, was after Dick a foul. Was it Declan Gallagher? Yeah, yeah, it was Gallagher. Well, to be fair, there was a bit of a, a Barney and everyone was involved. So um, if, if maybe I've got that wrong. But yeah, he definitely lashed out at Gallagher at one point in that melee Um because it wasn't it, like the original foul didn't involve Gorgish at all. It was just like a, no, it was, a total um, aftermath it was, incident. It was Nathan McGinley on. I can't remember if it was Paul McGinn or so. I can't remember who this player was. But yeah, it was yeah. Um, basically like a kind of a tackle. And then I think the Hibs player kind of kicked out at McGinley when he was on the ground, and that sort of sparked everything. Um, and everyone came over. Um, yeah. I 
I, the hand right in front of me. I was like, oh, "This is this is great entertainment." So, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> but at that point, everything was happening, so I was just like, "All right, that's great." Well, um, credit to Ryan Porteous who uh, converted his first ever professional penalty and and, and sent sent Hibs into the semi-finals. But this is going to be Hibs' third semi-final uh, in a year, and they haven't made a final. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean. Cup competitions are weird. Like I think you can judge basically how well a team's done by their league performance. It's and this is weird because we're saying that Callum Davis should be manager of the year or whatever. But <laughs> often it just comes down to it's just weird things happen in cups. It's often why football's so fun because you get weird results and stuff like that. I think I mean Hibs are I think they're improving under Ross. It just needs maybe a couple of transfer windows, or whatever. He knows what he's doing clearly, and they've earned their third place in the in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I, I don't know I don't think they could do much more without. Getting new players in, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if we move on, we'll talk about Kilmarnock St Mirren, which we probably could have done a full hour on. Um, not sure we've ever said that before, but uh, it was the Buddies who progressed to the semi-finals on penalties uh, at Rugby Park after a 3-3 draw with Kilmarnock on Monday night. It's a game that pretty much had everything, but ended up being decided, well, not only on penalties, but by a referee awarding penalties. Strange ones, perhaps, Laura. So, yeah, there was a wee bit of uh, controversy here with what Don Robertson was giving out, I think. Kelly got a penalty in the in extra time. The Samaritan player got the ball, so it was a wee bit of a soft one in that sense. And then, towards the end of extra time, Samaritan got a penalty, and, again, extremely soft. Possibly a wee bit of um, a breakdown of communication between defender and goalkeeper, possibly, but at the same time, the, the player went down extremely softly. Um, I mean... How many, how many soft penalties have uh, Samirin got in recent weeks? Um, but <laughs> uh, we'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, I feel like maybe the decisions sort of even them up, even the, even themselves out um, in terms of those two dodgy kind of decisions during the game that then led to penalties. Um, slightly bit of controversy, but you know, as the drama for a neutral, as the fantastic Scottish Cup drama. It's well, it's it certainly felt like for me, like you said, the, the first half of extra time was when Kilmarnock got their penalty, an amazing ball by Alan Power, by the way, to to tee that up. But Don Robertson's in a very good position for it. There's no way that he could have been a hundred percent certain that uh, that McAllister had fouled because he clearly got the ball. I mean, it's just an odd one for me. So the second one seems like, like maybe, yeah, it was an opportunity to award <laughs> the opposition a penalty just to even it up. But I mean, it's, Oh, because that's how football works. <laughs> well, strangely enough, Laura, it kind of does. It kind of does. Like, believe it or not, I don't want to say it's official, but yeah, it can It can happen. What did you, what's your thoughts, JJ? I, I can't tell. Like, So the first one... Uh, having watched it a lot of times in real time, it doesn't look like a foul to me. It, what, actually, what I was trying to say is I don't even know what it is. Like I don't know what's happened. You just can't really tell. So I, yeah. I guess what you mean you can't be sure it's penalty. But also, and you uh, have to be JJ. You have to be a hundred percent certain to make the decision. Uh, Otherwise, looks, you don't give it. Looks a bit like a penalty. So maybe I don't know who <laughs> Scottish refs. What are you gonna do? The second one is really weird. I don't understand. It's like Doyle is wearing mittens because he can't keep hold of the ball at all like the first one that went in um, like the St Mirren cross from the the first goal I'm talking about it goes in because yeah. he catches it and like slips into his own net like yeah. he's covered in butter or something it's yeah. so weird and then it's the same thing he doesn't have ha- uh, strong hands on the ball when he goes down to try and take it to get that penalty and it doesn't look like a penalty at all either it's a really weird 
Colin Doyle didn't have a very good game. No. Very odd. But the thing is, like, he he certainly got the ball first. So, and that was in he was then making. But then he drops it. Some, but he drops it, and but regardless of dropping it, it doesn't make it a penalty. It doesn't make it a foul. Yeah, I can't tell though because he does then wipe him out. It's just, I don't know. It's this kind of thing of if you're playing that on like Pro Evil, you're like, what a jip. There's no way that's a penalty. But like. <laughs> It's obviously you see that. I, I, I mean, it does do look think? like a FIFA glitch. You're right. To be fair, yeah, it looks um, weird too. We should also mention the fact that Komarnik had to play an extra time uh, without Nicky Kabamba because he got injured an extra time. So they'd used all the subs and they were down to ten men. So it's it's one of those things that when you do get to penalties, um, it's really really uh, unlucky to lose them. So credit where credit's due. Like Komarnik have have definitely progressed in the last couple of weeks at a right time and this defeat although difficult and hard for them to take it does mean that they can just focus on on safety in the league Laura yeah I thought when um we saw that Kev Lafferty was out injured before the game there was kind of questions of uh-oh what are they are they going to struggle um I mean it kind of got to stage where they were winning the game um and they were panning to Lafferty sitting in the stand you're thinking oh okay then so they've, they've kind of progressed that's good Tommy Wright's kind of done worked his wonders um and they don't need Kev Lafferty as much as everyone is kind of hanging on to but um it would have been interesting I think if maybe he'd been in the, the penalty shootout maybe things would have been slightly different um like we've been saying it, that Tommy Wright he's taking his time to kind of get to grips with this this team I don't think he will get them relegated that's just a, a personal opinion um, I think he's a good manager and I think he's maybe he's going to do enough to see them get over the line but I think it is also at the same time I worry with Lafferty just to see how long he's going to be out for because if it is if it is a long term injury um, I, I say long term there's not many weeks left of the season um, but if he is going to miss the, the run in then yeah I think Kelly might go back down to kind of struggling again um, he has been he's worked wonders since he came in his, his stats has, has been ridiculous in terms of goals and assists in just a, a few weeks of, of settling into the squad so I, I don't think um, look it's, it's it's a kind of worrying time I think for Kelly fans we're a bit nervous but they're, they're beyond end all the survival a cut run would have been a bonus for them yes it'll feel hard just now that it'll be absolutely hearting after, la- after Monday night's penalty shootout but when they wake up in the cold light of day, they'll realise like it's all about the league, and that's the yeah. most important thing. It's it's all about survival, and that that would just have been a nice wee cherry in the cake, the cake for the season if they got through. <laughs> yeah, they're currently tenth, two points ahead of Ross County, um, and Tommy Wright's side head to Far Park Laura, on Saturday. Uh, but after the break, we're going to talk about those goddamn crazy Colts. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Time now to hear from our friends from Paddy Power, courtesy of my best friend, producer Charlie. The Scottish Cup, Charlie, is great and all that jazz, but the Premiership returns on Saturday. Yeah, it's that time of the season where teams are on the beach and players have their flip-flops on, even in Scotland. Crazy things can happen, and this weekend in the Premiership there are teams that are desperately trying to stay up and teams that might be thinking about their big day out at Hamden. So how about Ross County to win at Mickey Mellon's Dundee United at 2-1 and Hamilton to leave St Mirren with three points, which is 4-1. Hibs are up against St Johnson on Saturday, which could be a cup final rehearsal. Seems like that could be a game of chess with some football thrown in. The draw is 21-10, and Acker on all three of those things happening. Ross County win, Hamilton win, Hibs draw... It's 45 to 1. Wow. 
Hamlin's four to one to win. Is that what you said? Don't you that's... dare question producer Charlie JJ. No, that's just that's a yeah. That's a. I mean, they're going to finish tenth, so they're going to have to win one of these games. <laughs> <laughs> who knows who knows yeah. you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the paddypower app prices are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only t's and c's apply and when the fun stops jj stop the destiny of the pyramid playoff in the highland and lowland league is still unknown and potential opponents breaking city bottom of league two have their own ideas about how to solve this we usually give you and Booth Robertson from Lanarkshire Live a call when we're feeling confused about what's going on in the lower leagues. So, Ewan, thanks for joining us. We know that Broader Rangers and Kelty Hearts didn't get to a playoff last season due to uh, COVID and this pandemic thing that's going on. Don't know if you heard about it. Uh, but Brecon finished bottom of League Two last season and feel a playoff is unfair this time around. Why? It's because both Kelty and Broader Rangers were declared, awarded, whatever terminology you'd like to use, depending on your kind of argument. Uh, the titles, uh, Kelty was after 13 games and Broader was after three games. So essentially, you know, what they're saying is that it's unfair that they have to play against clubs who were awarded titles after so few games. Um, and also the fact that you can have played, you know, a regular schedule, a lot of games in a short space of time, whereas, you know, these clubs have had time to, you know, prepare and, and train, but whether that's actually, you know, fitting because, you know, match sharpness is important in football, uh, as everybody else knows. So, so that would be the other crux of their argument. So at the moment, it's very much up in the air. You know, Kelty and Brora return to training. They're, I think they're spending two grand a week um, on training and there's no point in them playing the, the, the playoff between the Highland and Lowland League if there's no guarantee that you know the playoff into the SPFL pyramid is going to be allowed to happen. So what's Brecon's big idea? It's certainly a big idea, um, a controversial idea and it involves the big two in Scotland, um, Rangers and Celtic with the Colts teams eventually coming into the league. So what Brecon City are proposing at the moment is league reconstruction, which I believe they didn't vote for last season. And <laughs> so, so what they want is they want to expand the League 2 into 12 teams. So Brora and Kelty would, would go up and they would stay in the league, which is great for them. And then in the season, you know, seasons moving after that, eventually that, you know, a Rangers and Celtic Colts team would come into League 2, which is obviously gets you muted every single year. It's a very divisive issue. You know, if you support the old firm, you're, you're kind of for it. If, if you don't, you're not. Um, I, I don't think many people, you know, outside of Rangers and Celtic supporters are huge advocates uh, of the Coke system. And mm. understandably so, I can, I can definitely see it from both sides. So, I mean, for anyone who might be listening that, that isn't, you know, always in the know about Scottish football um, and why people are so against uh, Colts teams and um, why is it a, a bad idea? Why are fans so against it? Well, you know, fans of the World League clubs will argue that you don't want a kind of B team uh, playing in the league against against their sides because, you know, it's not great, is it? You can have the kind of romance and, and intrigue and you know, fantasism about the lower leagues in Scottish football is going to these different venues with your mates, supporting your local team, um, you know, going to these weird and wonderful places like uh, Brecon, which is not a city. And, um, you know, it's that, that's the kind of appeal of lower league football, isn't it? They don't want, you know, two giants of the Scottish football to come in and, you know, 
will they bring crowds, won't they bring crowds? If you look at the kind of fi- the attendance figures for the cup competition, you know, named after a, a confectionery item, that they, they don't really bring uh, large support. So that argument's kind of uh, redundant in, in my eyes. The other point will be that people will view it as you know, you know, whoever it be, you know, the league or the clubs, uh, catering towards the big two and it kind of helps them. And how does it help everybody else? You know, the argument would be, oh, it could help with the development of players. Does that happen? I'm not so sure. I know coach teams are in other countries. We are very much different from other countries. Um, and I, I believe that you know a strategic partnership like Hibernian have with Stenhouse Muir would be a more cohesive way to move forward on that. I mean, you'd highlighted that Breakin had tweeted some anti-Super League stuff last week, right? But at the same time, they're putting together this proposal that appears to allow them to avoid their own way out of relegation. Is this a wee bit um, hypocritical? I think uh, a wee bit is probably underestimating. <laughs> uh, whoever's in charge of Beacon's PR probably didn't think that one through. Um, you know, it's a massive contradiction, isn't it? You know, they're compl- they're saying this is football. You know, that slogan that was kind of banded around Scottish football, um, but it doesn't really apply because they're essentially, you know, the, the whole kind of uproar against the Super League was the fact that. It, it, Kind of makes competition devoid and it protects the places of clubs within within the, the format, which is you know essentially what Beacon are trying to do. So yeah, it, it wasn't a very clever um, tweet. And look, you can understand that if I'm you know as a journalist, I'm objective. I'm, I'm trying to see both sides. And you know, winning a league after three games, you know, isn't ideal. But like like you said at the start, we're in a pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. we go to games every week where there's no supporters in. You know, things are different in football. We kind of have to adjust to to the circumstances we find ourselves in. And I think the fact that it was the three clubs who will be involved this year that were involved last year kind of just makes it so much more simpler just to say play the game. Because at the end of the day, Brecon have been on this downward spiral um, for such a long time now. It's it's odd to think just four years ago they were celebrating promotion to the championship. If they'd got relegated last season, if they'd played in a promotion playoff, it could have been three relegations in a row. I mean, just describe to, to everyone how bad this drop has been for Brecon. Well, well, I'm a Partick Thistle supporter, so we've kind of dropped from the, the top six of the Premiership uh, into League <laughs> One, albeit we're on the cusp of coming back up. And back to where we belong, and I hope we do lift the trophy. Um, but yeah, Beacon City have essentially had it worse than us. Um, you know, they've they've fallen from the Championship, where they, I think they didn't win a game all season. I want to say it was four points off the top of my head. It might have been six, um, but they, they certainly didn't pick up a point away from home all season. They sacked Darren Dodds, and it's been a downward spiral. Um, it is a shame. I, I know I do say this. It is a shame because. I've been to Breaking City in the away day. You know, it's got the famous hedge. It's got mm. a great kind of community club. But I like, I, I like them, um, but this kind of just puts a, a dark cloud over over Breaking City Football Club. And the other thing that nobody forgets is they could still win the playoff. You know, <laughs> it's not very reassuring <laughs> to the players and the manager that they're so desperate not to play this game. Like they could win it. It is odd. It is odd. I mean, there was a stat I saw since they were promoted to the championship. It's been 117 games. They've only won 14. They've lost 84 and drawn 21. I mean, it's that's their downward spiral. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the results just haven't been good enough. And, you know, you have to kind of look at look at why that is. I know they had uh, Mark Wilson uh, was manager at the start of the season. Um, I think he brought in a lot of young players and it didn't kind of work out. And, you know, they, they brought in Michael Payton and Jerry McCabe, an experienced head. Jerry McCabe, you know, used to be uh, assistant to Bobby Williamson at Hibs. And, you know, they, they have kind of, 
added well, but they're just not winning games. And, and ultimately, you do worry about them. I think something else that's important to, to, to highlight is the fact that if they were to get relegated out of League 2, they would go into the Highland League rather than the Lowland League. And this is something I know they've not been happy about because you know the Lowland League does have a higher profile. Um, and also the fact that I think we can train in the central belt so if they have to play in the Highland League, it's going to be more difficult for them to attract players. Um, so I think that may be a, a, one of the, not one of the, but part of the reason why they're so against going down. All right, that's us for another week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Thank you to Super Producer Charlie for making this sound great. Thanks to the Little Kicks for this theme song that you're hearing right now. Laura, JJ, Ewan and Mickey as well. It's been a good show. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Needs Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.